Welcome to the Berkey Web Today podcast, part of the Eero Podcast Network. Podcasts that inform by focusing both on the news and the people behind the news. Berkey Web Today provides coverage before, during, and after the American Birkebinder ski race in northern Wisconsin. The podcast is a feature of the BerkeyWeb.com website where fellow Berkey buddies, Tim Burke, Mike Tarnall, and I explore news and information about the race, which includes in-depth interviews with the people behind the news. Berkey Web Today podcast can be found at the Berkey Web website at www.berkeyweb.com. They are also indexed at the Eero Podcast Network at epn.ero.com and on iTunes. We welcome your feedback, so please write to webmaster at berkeyweb.com and send in your comments or suggestions. Before we talk with Sherry Morgan about what has been happening at the Berkey since the race this past February, I wanted to provide some recent news and information. It is Monday, April 6, 2009, so there is now 327 days to the race on February 27, 2010, and 44 days since the race this year on February 21, 2009. The Berkey and Cordy waves and seating criteria for the 2010 race is now available on the Berkey.com website. The Berkey board has changed the policy regarding use of qualifying races for wave placement at the 2010 Berkey and Cordelopit. These changes are intended to provide skiers with additional options for use of qualifying races. Qualifying races are normally allowed for wave placement up to only wave 4. Consideration will be given to higher wave placement, however, based on the individual qualifying race results, which will be at the discretion of the race staff. Factors taken into consideration will be the race length, degree of difficulty of the course, and and the number of participants. The new policy is as follows. In general, wave placement for 2010 will be determined using your best percent back based on your 2006, 2008, or 2009 Berkey or Cordy finish times using the technique you plan to use in 2010. So they're differentiating between the um, skate and classic techniques. If you skied the Berkey or Cordelopit in 2006, 8, or 9, but do not have a finish time using the technique you plan to ski in 2010, the Berkey will assign your wave based on a conversion factor technique, which is explained on the website. Basically, the process that has been established says that a skier will finish in 85% of the time it would take them to classic ski the same race. So a skate skier, um, in other words, skis faster. You may also use a qualifying race from 2008, 2009, and 2010 that uses the technique that you are registering for. Please note, however, that the qualifying race must be officially listed as using the technique you plan to ski. If you ski the classic technique in a freestyle race, you'll be considered to have used the skate or freestyle technique. 
There is much, much more written on the Berkey.com website, which would be way too confusing to verbalize in a podcast without you reading along, so do look at the website. A reminder on the 2010 BIB numbering and sequencing system has also been announced by the Berkey. When you receive your confirmation for the 2010 race, please be sure to confirm your wave assignment and ski technique in the following ways. Your race confirmation card that is sent in the mail to you, the skier confirmation on the Berkey.com website, and I do encourage you to go there, um, put in your information to confirm that you are registered and in the proper wave. Uh, and at Big, Big Pickup, be sure to um, that you review uh, your receipt uh, and paperwork. I have personally seen individuals that had the wrong bibs. In fact, last year I was talking to a fellow birch legger who had a large C, which is for classic designation, on his bib. Um, and when I struck up a conversation with him in the uh, warming tent before the race about whether he had skied the new classic trail, he looked perplexed. And then I found out on further inquiry that he was not really skiing classic, but was a skate skier. Um, it was too late at this point to change, so I hope he was able to get his results uh, changed after the race. So do be careful. As I mentioned in a previous podcast, my number of races was incorrect when I picked up my bib, which required me to have the bib sticker changed, and then follow up after the race to have the computer uh, information changed. Uh, all is well now. Also, the bib and piping colors will remain the same as previous years, and classic and race bibs will have the large C, as we've talked about. The Berkey bibs will be white, cordy yellow. Uh, the elite men um, will have a royal blue trim. The elite women uh, will have a navy blue trim. And the um, Wave 1... Uh, we'll have uh, royal, all these will be trim colors, royal blue, wave two, red, wave three, light blue, wave four, green, wave five, orange, wave six, gray, wave seven, purple, wave eight, brown, wave nine, gold, and wave ten, black. And then also the specialty bibs uh, for those uh, skiing 20 to 29 uh, races. They would be a, in the Birch Leggers Club and would have purple bibs with gold riding. And those that have skied 30-plus uh, races, also Birch Leggers, would have the reverse gold bibs with purple riding. Uh, founder members or the original Berkey skiers have red bibs with white lettering. And then uh, Prince uh, Hoken skiers will have teal uh, with white piping. Uh, there's, there was also a reminder on the website that said that those with specialty bibs are asked to please be sure to check your wave assignment when picking up your race bib because there's not the special piping colors like the regular bibs. The, um, there have been several people that have not yet claimed their 2009 Berkey and Cordelope at Age Class Awards. So if you have won an award and have not claimed it, please contact the Berkey office as the awards will only be available until June 1st, 2009. Also, the 2009 American Berkey Binder two-disc DVD video is now available for $24.95, which includes shipping and handling. 
Information about ordering is on the Berkey.com website. There are also been several YouTube videos posted, and I have cataloged some of them at the Berkey Web Today Facebook page under the YouTube tab if you're interested in viewing them. Sherry Morgan is the media coordinator for the American Birkebinder Ski Foundation and also the former executive director of the race before leaving when her son was born in 2002. She is a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Stout with a Bachelor of Science in Hospitality and Tourism Management, which she received in 1994. Sherry fell in love with the outdoors and the people of Hayward and Cable area while dating her future husband, Hayward native Brett Morgan. Hayward, Hayward was a central meeting point for them on weekends, and Brett couldn't wait to show her the greatest show on snow, the Berkey. That was in 1993, and Sherry came down with a bad case of Berkey fever when she saw the race finish on Main Street for the first time. She was enamored with the crowds, the cowbells, and the athletes, from elites to citizens. The Berkey grabbed her that day, and, she admits, will likely hold her forever, as it has with many of us. Once married in 1995, Sherry and Brett dreamed of moving to Hayward after retirement. Then, lo and behold, later that same year, Brett was offered a job in the Hayward schools, and the Morgans packed their bags, and Sherry joined the Berkey team on race day, 1996. During the next several years, she'd see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Her quote from the Berkey website on the good is that people involved in this event and the communities make it happen. When people ask her if she missed the Berkey after she left uh, with her son, she always said she missed the people the most. Actually, she never really did leave, and the people are the reason she stayed on and continues to help in some way. Sherry would never give up the adrenaline rush she gets during race week. On the bad and ugly side, they're summarized in another quote, which says, Mother Nature in 2000. And those that don't remember, that was the year the race was canceled. Sherry is quoted as saying, She, or Mother Nature, sent me a problem that I couldn't overcome, and I don't like to lose. When she's not at the Berkey office, Sherry is likely hanging out with Brett and son Jackson, a.k.a. the 2004 Prince uh, Hoken um, baby, or taking a bit of time to read, cook, bike, and play in the great outdoors. She is a recreational cross-country skier, and this year returned to classic skiing, which she greatly enjoys. She especially has fun skiing with her son, who is six years old and a member of the Hayward Nordic Kids Ski Program. Sherry also took up Nordic walking last year and says that she cannot wait to get on the trail later this spring. In addition to working for the Berkey, Sherry teaches a couple of classes each semester for the local technical college, Wisconsin Indian Head, in restaurant management and food service sanitation for restaurant managers. She also teaches a fun create-a-cookbook class and QuickBooks for accounting. She assists small business owners as a virtual assistant and bookkeeper, which includes their accounting and others 
with posting materials and updates to their websites, online stores, or help in disturbing, uh, distributing media items via the internet. Sherry's husband also owns a small business called Brett Morgan Photography, in addition to working as a middle school guidance counselor at Hayward Middle School. Sherry assists him in many aspects of his business as they have a home studio for family, senior, and wedding photos. Brett also takes pictures at area events, including the Berkey, uh, the Fat Tire Race, and the Lumberjack World Championships, and area high school sports. Welcome, Sherry, and thanks for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. First off, I, I was curious if the Berkey Trail is still skiable. Um, I did not see a trail report on the Berkey website, so I was not sure if you had just stopped updating or if the ski season had officially ended. The uh, ski season has pretty much ended. Um, we actually did just post today some um, trail conditions just on the homepage that there's just a little bit of snow, but it's pretty soft out there. So we're actually um, asking people not to go out with bikes or any wheeled items at this time um, because they could do some damage to that. Had, had it gotten, uh, had you had a warm-up? That... We had, um, yeah. We're actually still not terribly warm here, but we've had enough sunny days, and we had a decent warm-up a couple weeks ago that had done, um, deteriorated it pretty far. Um, so there's really not much left out there. I see. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, here in Kansas City, it was snowing yesterday, oh, and uh, and then we've had two days now where the temperature is going to be below freezing. So all kinds of freeze warnings and everything. So it's been a it's been a cold winter overall, I'd say. It, it has. Yeah. Um, you describe yourself as a recreational skier, and I uh, and that you have taken up classic skiing again. Had you skate skied before, and had you, have you ever participated in one of the Berkey or related races? Um, I, I did skate ski before, um, but I have not never raced. Um, I started skiing as a probably middle school age child with my parents, um, always just recreationally skied for fun, um, never have raced. And when I um, moved to Hayward, uh, saw the Berkey before I ever lived in Hayward, um, thought it was a great event, never really had that inclination to see the event. I was more of a runner, and I've done a marathon and lots of running-type races. Um, and then once I moved to Hayward, I started working for the Berkey a short time after that, and as an employee, we cannot ski the event. So yeah. I've never had that opportunity. Yeah, it's tough because most of your time is spent during during the race. But uh, it is. You, and you you said you switched over to classic skiing again. Was there a reason for that? Um, there actually was. Um, the classic trail um, motivated me in some way, but I also have been diagnosed with osteoarthritis in my knees. So recommendation was to um, take up classic instead of that technique of skating, and it's wonderful. Um, no pain, and I can get out there and ski and enjoy it. I, I and there's many, and when we get into the stats a little bit later, there's more and more people, you know, going back to classic skiing and doing the race. Um, I had spent all my, you know, done 22, and all my early years were classic then switched over to skating so i my problem is i don't want to go back to that waxing stuff i mean it's <laughs> it's it's hard enough right i see that you've taken up nordic walking uh, my wife and i have uh, also uh, adapted that uh, last year and uh, here in kansas we get lots of stairs as uh, as we walk in the, our neighborhood or on our local 
trails and people, you know, look at us and say, you know, where's the snow? What are you doing? And um, I suppose you don't get the stares and questions in Hayward, but what have you found most enjoyable about Nordic walking? And are you uh, in a Nordic walking group? Um, I'm not in a group. Um, get out there and do it a lot by myself. I have taken a clinic um, that the Berkey has offered. But I think the most enjoyable thing for me is the um, difference in workout. Um, once I was diagnosed with arthritis, I quit running because um, I recommended to do that. And so I was a fitness walker. But just looking for a variety in, mm-hmm. in that um, and the stability of the poles um, on the Berkey Trail is great. And just the speed. I feel like I, I walk faster. I, I get a better workout and uh, just a variety. Yeah, it, it's, uh, we've found there's, uh, there's even groups here in town that we haven't done that. We tend to just do it ourselves. And, uh, uh, but it is, it's, uh, makes walking uh, a lot more enjoyable. Now we tend to do it on sidewalks or paved trails, uh, but, you know, have the tips that we can go off trail too, but just haven't done that yet. Right. So no, you do, you're I- doing mostly off trail. Um, I do a combination. Um, I, I do do some on the road, and uh, I'm fortunate to live near a railroad grade, so if I can't get out to the Berkey Trail, I can do a little bit on a road, connect on a railroad grade, um, and get on that. But I, my favorite spot is to be out on the trail. Sherry, you were the executive director. Could you tell us uh, what years those were? And, um, and I uh, know you're left when your uh, son was born. Um, but... Uh, uh, with those dates, also tell us, you know, what your position is now. I, I see it's officially listed as part-time, but does that mean part-time all year? Is it more full-time during the critical times, right before and during and after the race? Okay. Um, I actually started with the American Berkebiner, um on race day of 1996, kind of an odd day to start a job, but that's when the hiring process was done, so I started that day to see the event. Um, just so that was a, pay, a paid job on the first It was, day. Wow. yep. Um, wow. I don't know if the first weekend I was paid, maybe officially the Monday after I started being paid, <laughs> yeah. but um, just started working in the office, did whatever they needed to do at that time. I think I did just about everything. Um, I wasn't the director, but we were very small staff then, so I did registrations, just about everything. Um, within a few years, I became the director in... It would have been for the 1999 event. I became the executive director that fall. Um, was the executive director for 1999, the cancellation in 2000, um, 01 and 02. And then in um, the spring of 2002, I left the Berkey when I had my son. I um, told him I'd help out in any way I could, but that I was just going to take, uh, you know, leave and be a mom, um, but kind of stayed um, with them, wrote some training manuals, did some different race operation type things for them, and um, took about a year off, but still was involved, and then came back as an assistant with the media position, and within the last year or so have um, become that person, that media coordinator, and I do work part-time year-round. Um, during this time of year, I'm about half-time. During the summer, it's probably a little bit less than that. Um, but during uh, definitely January, February, full time. Yeah, I, I I figured that it would be hard to be part time, so it's official 
for the whole year part-time. But It is official for the whole year part-time because I do things like the website and um, the monthly newsletter the skiers receive. I'm responsible for all that. So there are things, you know, every month that I'm responsible for. So so you're actually, can you actually uh, update the website or is someone that doing that, do you send them the information to update? Nope, I am updating the website. Um, Just about everything on it we are in control of. Um, so there, some of the other staff does do a little bit, um, but for the most part, I'm responsible for updating that and making changes. Well, we've seen that website uh, grow, um, you know, over the years, and, and you absolutely do a fabulous job with putting information up very timely. Um, and I know a lot of people appreciate that. So, uh, you know, these days when people are connecting more electronically, um, that's very important. So, uh, great job. Well, thank you. And we knew that was a strong focus, um, the website, and that's part of the reason they asked me to um, do that because we were all kind of trying to do it, and it just wasn't working that way. Um, Our website receives a phenomenal number of hits, so many, in fact, that we crashed it race day. Oh, no, Um, I didn't know that. (laughs) I don't know how many people know that. Yeah, everybody was out racing, so they probably... (laughs) Right, at about 2 o'clock, we started to notice things weren't going real well. We were having some problems when we were trying to update some things, and by 4 o'clock, the the site went down, and our um, webmaster, when we got a hold of them, said, um, we just crashed the server. We had over 15,000 hits in the matter of like an hour or two. So it shut it down. So we're already working on how to make sure that doesn't happen for. So it's actually the server. Was it the server? server. Do you keep the server in your office, or is it not? Well, we actually share. We subscribe to one, and we share it. So next year, for the month of February, the Berkey will have their own server to make sure that that doesn't happen to us again. Well, that wasn't. I, I didn't. I didn't see that. Of course, you know, I'm out during the race, so it's probably all the people trying to connect to get information that aren't racing or maybe had finished the race if it was two o'clock yeah so right and the results and things and actually that's how we access the results i mean people would think maybe we're getting them in another form but we're actually having them posted to our website and get grabbing them so when something like that happens it it stops our production as well right well you you learn and uh, right uh the uh yeah probably the other thing too with the your isp is you know looking at redundancy too as a you know backup server also mm-hmm. um tell us about the the news since the race uh how was the response to the new classic trail and and what feedback have you received in general uh from skiers this year um we've received quite a bit of feedback through our survey um but actually the race overall the response was very favorable um, the classic trail, uh, very, very popular, people very happy. few comments that they wish it wasn't 54K, um, mm-hmm. you know, that it was closer to that 50 kilometers of the state race. Right. But I, I think it's going to probably stay the 54K. Um, you know, that's, that's just the way the trail, the trail goes. Yeah, um, especially to, I skied, we, we take up classic and skate skis and did part of that. But, yeah, it does wind more. It does. Uh, yeah, before double O. So. Mm-hmm. You know, unless something would change in that course um, down the road, I would see it staying 54K for for some time. Um, some A lot of comments about asking us to extend it all the way to Hayward. Um, at this time, there are no plans to do that, but you never know. Um, everybody who's been involved with the Berkey has seen us develop over the years, and um, I'm certainly not going to rule anything out, but right now there mm-hmm. aren't any plans for that. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to see. There was a lot of uh, there was some articles and and good feedback from people that had skied it before the race. Did was there anything specific in the survey about any part of the the course before double O on the extension? Um, there is one turn before double O that we had some feedback, both you know, both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. Um, not exactly sure the exact kilometer. I've done I've done the turn. Um, you know, is it a sharp turn? A race, it's a fairly sharp turn on a downhill. I see. Um, and we did look at that turn before the event, and we're somewhat concerned about it, but you know, thought it could be manageable. I believe we positioned ski patrol at that location to kind of warn people before they got it. So, got there. Um, so there was a little feedback on that. So I'm sure that's an area we will continue to look at. Yeah, because you always you have to look at safety. Uh, right. It's and, it's funny that we you know did the uh, North American Vaza in Traverse City uh, before, and they have one turn that they literally put a mattress up. It's so sharp because oh. people go plowing into it, and uh, so. Uh, not probably not a good idea. <laughs> right. And yeah. you know, and safety is always our our primary concern. And the way something skis, you know, the rest of the winter and the way it skis in a race are two different things. So that's definitely yeah, an area. That's right. the conditions completely can change a turn as well, as everybody knows. Y- yes, right. If it's harder pack it stays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for providing me uh, you know, advanced copies of the survey. I know you said that uh, things are going to be released tomorrow. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Um, our Carpe scheme comes out tomorrow, and skiers will will put a link in there to the survey results. Not only the general results of the survey, but we're going to also release all the skier comments to you oh, as well. Good. Uh, so yeah. with, with, with everything that you sent me, everybody will be able to see then. Right. We think it's very important that um, people see what other people are saying about the event, and hopefully it generates some conversation and um you know maybe some more comments come out of it because that's how we learn what you want what's going on and sometimes receive some solutions or some new ideas yeah right how I mean, to you, fix things yeah you can't you can't fix things if you don't know about them so that's exactly. the best way um I, I just had a few things i noticed that there were uh, 1,802 respondents to the survey. Mm-hmm. Um, was this more or less than you expected? And do you feel that you can draw some good conclusions from that data sample? I think we can draw some good conclusions. It's probably about what we expected um, for the response to the survey. We send it um, 10,600 years right now receive our carpe scheme and the surveys and things like that so it's it's not too bad of a response um it's about typical for us and i think we can um get some good feedback but out of those 1800 people i think 780 or so um attached additional comments so another you know half of those mm-hmm. did that so that's a pretty good sampling for us um, you know we'd love more but we understand, you know, that some people just aren't interested in taking it or don't have the time. Yeah, I, I especially uh, like surveys, you know, when, you're, when they're online, they're so much easier than, you know, filling out paper and stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was very easy. I did fill it out. Um, the uh, One of the other items that uh, I noted of interest was uh, the results seemed to slightly favor uh, having two tracks on one side, uh, to the question, the question was: If you classic ski the Berkey or Cordelopet, would you prefer to have two tracks set on one side of the tra- tra- trail where the classic and skate courses are together, or one track set on each side with the skate lanes in between? 
And uh, I believe from looking at the data that 26% were for two on one side and 18% uh, were one on each side of the trail. Mm -hmm. uh, does this provide enough direction to the staff and groomers uh, that we might see a difference in 2010? You possibly could. You know, things like that are always somewhat dependent on the conditions we have. Mm -hmm. But um, I, we asked the question for that reason. We really wanted to know what the classic skiers wanted to see. So um, they are saying two tracks, so I would hope we can, um, you know, make that happen on most portions of uh, the south half of the trail. Right. Well, I I know that, you know, because the the races are separated and, you know, now with the Cordy, you know, that's been going off for a few years now, it is so much nicer on the Berkey Trail skiing. It's just not as crowded, and especially on the uphills where I used to seem to always get held up behind other skiers. Uh, you can get up those much quicker. Well, that's good. That's there, what we want. Yeah. Um, there was a number of questions aimed at uh, women skiers. Uh, was, this, was this because the race is trying to attract more women to the race? And uh, on the survey, as far as response, respondents, it was split approximately 75% men and 25% women. Is this representative of the actual numbers that participated? Um, it, it's close. I believe there's probably even a few um, less women, I'd have to do an exact statistic than that, um, depending on if you're looking at the Berkey or the Cordelopit. The Cordelopit right now, we're running pretty close um, to men and women are almost the same. Oh, really? The Berkey, okay. Yeah, the Berkey is still um, quite a few less women. So yes, part of our survey is um, to just gauge feedback from the women to see if there is something um, we can do more as an event to try to encourage or help participation um, in the event. You know, is there something we can do to help um, that? So we're, we're looking at things like that. And a lot of that portion of the survey, we received help from a group in Hayward um, called um, Ski and Tea, which is a women's group, and they have over 100 members that get together um, and work out together, and they're trying to encourage more women to enter skiing and just a general fitness lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And they helped us develop some of those questions and put things together and to try to see if their group can do more to encourage and foster participation or if they can go into other communities and try to help to do the same thing. Did, did you glean some things? Were there some things that stood out from the data that you received? Um, a little bit. I noticed on some of the comments a lot of... Um, Times you receive feedback of separate events for women and things, and a lot of the comments I read didn't necessarily dictate that, you know, that they don't necessarily want special consideration or to be separated. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the women said, we, we know what it is, um, we're out there to ski, we're out there to participate, and we have no problem being right alongside the men. So to me, that was a, a somewhat interesting. You know, yeah, I, 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 did see, I did see some of those comments, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, and we have to look more closely at it. We've had the results for about a week. Um, the board of directors has just received them I see. Um, after we tabulated them. So they haven't actually met on um, any of the topics yet. So no big decisions have been made, but they will be looking through everything. Still early. It's still early, right. There was uh, a lot of written comments, as you said earlier, mm -hmm. and uh, it seemed like most of them were very positive um, with with some suggestions. So I hate to right. even pick on some things, but there were, uh, 
I saw a couple comments or a few comments about you know, we need more waves. It was crowded or a larger changing area, and it seemed to be especially in the men's tent at right. the end of the Berkey. And I don't if that was valid or not, or um, that you no, picked that. that- that one we believe was valid. Um, it, there were, you know, obviously numerous comments in the survey, which the skiers will see, um, about the men's changing tent. So anytime we have more than a few comments on a particular topic, um, we look at that pretty seriously. And we know that that was a problem. Um, we've received enough feedback. Not, I'm not exactly sure personally if um, what exactly happened. That changing tent is typically set up so it's like one-third it's for women, two-thirds it's for men. Mm-hmm. They split it. Um, so don't know if something happened there where it was half and half, but um, that will definitely be fixed. We've, that's one comment we've already been talking about in the office. That one, as well as um, food stations. We received uh, numerous comments about food stations. We know we had some issues with um, running out of cups at some of those. That should never happen, um, but it did. So we'll work on fixing that. Uh, receive some comments on the type of cups we used. We tried to go to a compostable product, which um, yes. I believe we'll continue to look at that and try to do that. But they were clear. Yes. And um, we heard numerous comments about people skiing over them and the awful sound it made. Um, you know, and that's just a learning process. First year trying to well, do plus that. Plus, they, they blended into the snow too. They yeah. did. Yeah. They just were completely you just, you just impossible see them. to yeah. see. So we're hoping to, um, if we can continue with that type of product, to maybe find a colored compostable product, um, mm-hmm. if that's out there. Even finding those products, our initial year on that, it, it took a lot of work to come up with some of those items. So we'll keep working on that. Yeah, it's nice to it's do as much as you can, you know, for the environment. So right, we're a, certainly that's trying. That's a good move, yeah. And another comment was the crowdedness um, on the trail. Some talked about how crowded it was. Some said it wasn't. So that's... Um, a thing we have to look at and see if we can determine which waves were. We're actually we actually haven't established the exact times waves will go out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, for the coming year, so we'll see if there's a little more we can do on that. Yeah, it's um, just what I was going to ask you if there was something to do with the wave. I, I didn't experience that. Um, so. Right. So we have to determine exactly where it happened. Was it in earlier waves, mid waves, later waves, and is there? A little bit we can do. I know um, we have new seating criteria, and some of that was trying to shrink some of those wave sizes down again um, to hopefully help that congestion. Mm-hmm. Sherry, you provided me an advanced copy of the 2009 statistics. Um, mm-hmm. uh, would you please go over some of the highlights from them? Um, big highlights this year. It was our um, second largest field ever, so that was quite exciting for us. Um, we Especially had, with the economy, the, the way it is, uh, you know, it, or has been, to, to have the second biggest year, that's fantastic. That is, it is. And, you know, all along we were running um, about 500 skiers ahead from October all the way through, and we kept saying, when is that going to drop off? When is that going to drop off? You know, a little bit pessimistic thinking, that's a lot for us to be ahead that early um, in the year and thought, well, it, it'll change. People just for some reason registered early. We thought maybe it was the economy, get a lower fee, save a little money, but it never tapered off. Hmm. We stayed 500 ahead, you know, all the way through. So um, that was that was great. Um, you know, hopefully maybe we're not a- affected quite as much by the economy, but we did receive some comments saying that we were, mm-hmm. um, you know, within the survey. So we know that everybody is. 
but still very excited to have the second largest field ever. Um, we did have uh, almost 8,500 total skiers in you know, all of the events, so that's great. Um, in addition to the Berkey and Cordelope that we want to see skiing continue to grow and get our young people involved and um, all different numbers, so 8,500 overall skiers for the weekend. And then how, how many uh, Berkey, Cordy, what was the breakup there? I had... Um, Seventy-one ninety-three in the Berkey and Cordy for registered skiers. So um, 4,949 4, for the Berkey and 2,244 for the Cordelopet. Okay. So um, good numbers. We're seeing a little bit of growth um, in that Cordelopet number as well. Um, an interesting statistic for the classic breakdown is almost 33% of our skiers right now are classic in the Berkey and Cordy, with Cordelopet skiers being almost 45% classic. Wow. Now, yeah. ha- have you been keeping stats backwards to see how much that's growing? We have for a few years, um, and we can't go back too far because we uh, we never really had that classic classification yeah. before, yeah. you know, a few years ago. Um, but it has been growing. I think we started, you know, in, in about the 25% range. So it's coming up, and we attribute that, you know, to the classic trail, um, and that we're providing a great event once again for those classic skiers. So that's a real um, interesting statistic for us. Um, Prince Hoken race, uh, the numbers stayed about the same. We capped that race at 250 skiers. This year we had 212, and that stays pretty consistent for us. Um, did receive again when. People get the survey, some comments on that event as well, and um, how those skiers affect the Berkey skiers toward the end of their race. Mm-hmm. So, again, we will be looking at that event and a possible relocation for the start once again for that, but no final decisions. And that's probably that's fairly wave-dependent, too, because when they it start, is. yeah. Yeah, when they start, um, you know, a lot of the earlier waves are already through, um, right. but we want to make sure, you know, that we're not hindering any skier, if we can make that at all possible. So we'll look at that one again. Um, other interesting information on the, you know, the survey, it was pretty typical breakdown otherwise. Um, I can't think of any real statistics. What's that the, were, the, the Barney had what, almost 1,000? Is that? Almost 1,000. Um, yeah. That's slightly lower um, than it was the year before. Um, not exactly sure. We did add an entry fee um, to the Barney for the first time. We charged $5 for that event. Mm. Um, we received a little bit of feedback, and we are examining that um, entry fee uh, for the coming year. Uh, it just, um, with sponsorship dollars being down and, you know, a budget being as it is, we did charge $5, which basically helped cover the cost of the pin and the metal, or the metal and the race bib. I'm right. sorry. Mm. So... Um, thought it was a fairly minimal fee, but for some families, um, that w- that was a lot. So we're looking at that again because we want to do anything, everything we can to encourage the youth to start entering skiing and participate. We'll look at that. Then mm-hmm. uh, talk about the teams, too. I thought that was... Because um, you, you emphasized that uh, more this year. There's a lot of advanced publicity. We did. Um, we're really trying to... P- publicize that team competition and get gain some interest for it. Um, so we did have, let's see, I think we had 31 teams 
total um, this year, which was up slightly, I believe, from last year. We added some new categories, so that probably helped a little bit. Hoping, hoping to continue to do the team competition um, next year and looking again at, you know, what we can do to encourage more people to join it. You know, advanced publicity, we hope that as people do it once, they'll do it again and, and start a team. And there's three-man teams, or three people count in the scoring, but the team this year could be as large as you wanted it to be. Right, and you had to have a uh, it had to be uh, one, at least one male or one female right. on the team, too. Right. You know, yeah. The uh, tell us about the matriarch and patriarch of the uh, Berkey, the that'd be the oldest female and male skiers. This is always um, probably my favorite award. Our matriarch, our oldest female skiers. Um, this year, our Berkebiner oldest skier was Ann Berry from Albert Lee, Minnesota. Um, she did the event in 7 hours and 36 minutes for the Berkey, and she was 70 years old. Um, for the Cordelope, we had Vero Albrecht from Marquette, Michigan. Um, she did the Cordelope in just over 5 hours at age 80, which to me is phenomenal. Um, that's something the Berkey certainly um, publicizes and we use is that cross-country skiing is a lifelong fitness activity, and these matriarch and patriarchs are just a testament to that. Our patriarch, our oldest men this year, for the Berkey, um, Roy Carlstead from St. Paul, um, did the Berkey in six hours and 25 minutes at age 85. Wow. Um, and he's just a phenomenal athlete. Um, excellent. And our Cordelope was Ed Harjula from Copper City, Michigan. Um, at age 86, he did the Cordelope in two hours and 54 minutes, which I think is also yeah. just incredible. So they're they're great athletes. They've done the Berkey and the Cordelopit for years, and we hope they continue. Yeah, the the Berkey really back. is for all ages. I mean, it's you know I ski with a lot of um, uh, mostly guys that are you know uh, some are in their seventies and fit as ever. So it is. Mm. It's a it's wonderful that you're you know starting with the kids uh, and trying to do you know for all ages. So that's right. Um, I'm gonna talk about the. Here, the uh, can you talk about the um, uh, states and countries that were represented? Um, this year, we had 43 states and plus the District of Columbia in the event. Um, we that's fairly typical for us, although we've had up to 48 different states um, in the event, and that 43 states does include states like Hawaii and Alabama and. Um, you know, a lot of people think we're all northern and it's all on snow. We talk to people every year that have little or no snow training. They do it on roller skis or they're just great in physical fitness. Um, they bike, they, they run, and they come here and come back and do the birthday. So 43 different states. We had 20 countries um, this year as well, including a couple of skiers from Nicaragua. Who came out yes, and tried it. I, I saw that. Yeah. Yes, they did. Um, they actually worked at Telmark over the winter and decided while they oh. were here they were going to experience everything they possibly could about the United States and about Wisconsin. Um, did, now, did so, they do the Berkey or the Cordy? Or they did the Cordelope. Uh -huh. um, one classic skied it. One skate skied it. Uh, we actually uh, assisted in trying to help them find um, clothing, uh, as did the Fat Tire. We used their email mailing list, and we found them clothing because they were training in jeans, um, which for anybody who's done the Berkey for yeah. a long, long time, they probably skied their first event in jeans. So yeah. 
not that not, out of the ordinary. Yeah, not good though for wicking and uh, exactly. Getting, yeah. We wanted to help them out a little bit. They're not used to the cold, so we yeah. figured any any help we could give them. So that yeah, was it, a. It is amazing. I've lived, uh, I think when I was talking to Ned, you know, on an earlier podcast, it was um, the, uh, I've lived in, you know, I was lived in the Washington, D.C. area, North Carolina, now in Kansas, and, you know, from Michigan, and in every place I've run into to Berkey skiers. Um, and it's, so it's good. I had, and each year I, you know, reconnect with people. So, uh, and there are, I am one of those that, you know, gets little or no snow, uh, right. training before I come over. That's why I like to come up for the whole week. And this year did a race before uh, the Berkey. But yeah, I'm your typical, you know, uh, running, bicycling, um, more bicycling now since I tore my medial meniscus running. So I've uh, taken up more of the cycling, but the uh, uh, roller roller skiing and, you know, that that really helps. I think it's it keeps you in shape, but then it there's nothing like snow time too. So I try to get up right. there the week before. So the um, 2010 race registration fees and uh, deadlines have been announced too. Um, uh, would you please uh, you know let us know what those are? I think there's been some changes. Um, we do have some changes to that. Our entry fees did increase um, slightly for 2010. Um, and with that, we also extended our first deadline. All the deadlines are different, but I'll, I'll talk about the first one. Um, we are accepting the early bird registration this time around until July 31st. It was typically June 30th, but we're going to go until July 31st. And for Berkey skiers, it will be $80. And for Cordelopet skiers, it's $70. And that's the first time that I know of that we have a difference in fee um, between the two races, and that difference will continue throughout the year. Um, it'll be a $10 difference all the way. Was Had there but been some complaints or was, uh, about there that? There always or? have been um, uh-huh. a few, you know, saying we do half the event but pay the full fee. So I think this was our way to give a little bit um, back, give a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And with it, we always have a break for our um, young Cordelopet skiers. I believe it's 22 years old, and I should know that, Um if they register, they receive an additional $20 discount um, if they're under age 22. And that's just to try to encourage our youth. And we know a lot of the skiers that are in that age bracket um, are college age, um, you know, so we want to help them out as much as we can. Or they're high school skiers that come from a skiing family that are registering three or four people. So if we can help those families out a little bit and encourage those young people to ski, we do give that price break. Um, and that goes all the way through the fees for them mm-hmm. um, but we so we have um, the the fees have changed all the way through that announcement will be in the birch scroll as well and it is on the website right now and then we're actually um, registration and it, it it has always been this way but we've never really announced it is officially closed Monday Tuesday and Wednesday of race week where we don't take any registrations those days that's when we relocate our um, registration staff from the Berkey office to Telmark and then we open it up again on Thursday. And our, our last fees, just so people know what those last ones are, it is $150 this year to register for the Berkey if you wait until the very end. So we always encourage you to register early or 140 for the quarter little bit. And, and registration, I didn't see it on the website as yet. Did, did I miss it? or? It's not open yet. Okay, um, that's what I the thought. The Birch Scroll will be coming out. Um, it, we're sending it April 16th. So that will be the first opportunity skiers have to register. They'll get it the fall, receive it the following week. 
Um, and we anticipate that our online for um, Berkey and Cordelope will be up shortly after that. Um, we still, for online to go up, we have to have our database completely ready to go. Um, so, because the online goes automatically into the computer system. So we just want to make sure everything's ready, everything's set, all our new seating criteria are established and in the system. Right. So it will be shortly after middle of April, possibly around May 1st would be about the latest. Yeah, I usually, I, I kind of like that, uh, prefer the online thing, because then you, okay. you know that it's gone in, so I usually uh, wait until that's up and running. Right. Um, we had talked just before we started recording that uh, there's a new registration cap uh, for there both Berkey and Cordy races. And uh, please tell us about this change and, and why it was made. Um, it's for the first time, again, that um, since I've been involved with the event, we did establish a registration cap. Um, it will be 7,500 skiers um, for 2010. And the board um, approved to do this just so we could maintain um, the quality and the consistency um, of the event. Makes it a little easier if we know the maximum number we could possibly achieve. Now, it's um, no huge, you know, push. We'd love you to register early, but we, we've stayed below that 7,500 most of the time. We've only actually gone above it, I believe, once. So, um, you know, we don't. We don't anticipate that it's going to be this huge push that the event's going to close really, really early, but it just gives us a shooting point. If we know that that's how many skiers we have, it makes it a lot easier um, to try to order things if that's the maximum. You know, I see. For, so yeah, it. so that we it's maximum so we, we, we can handle too. Mm -hmm. So we the 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 race was over that at one year then. That, it that's was. What in year, 1997, you... the 25th anniversary, we, we, we hit almost 7,800 skiers oh, at okay. Berkey and yeah. But, um, you know, we believe to keep waves consistent, to keep the trail not, you know, overly congested, um, our busing system, our volunteer base, all of those things are, you know, 7,500 right now is about where we believe we can handle. Mm -hmm. Established a cap. Yeah, because I noticed, uh, I know in usually when you throw around numbers that people say, you know, approximately 9,000 skiers, but that's everything, that's right? Everything. That's all the races. That's yeah. everything, and I right. know that number confuses people sometimes, uh, but that's all of the events we have. That's the weekend of skiers. As I said earlier, we had about 8,500 in all of those events for the weekend this year. Mm -hmm. So, um, And we're not talking about, um, you know, that number having a cap on it. We're just talking about Berkey Race Day, that the Berkey and Cordelope will have a cap of 7,500. Right. Well, for our listeners out there, this is uh, even more reason to get those uh, registrations in It early. is, because once we hit the cap, they, they will close registration. And we'll keep people informed, um, you know, all the way through, I'm sure, in our Carpe Scam will be saying it. You know, if we would get close at all, I'm sure we will be distributing things frantically to try to make sure, you know, everybody's aware and they can And, and probably out. the probably the next question you'll get sure is then, okay, is there a waiting list? And then, <laughs> then that, that begs the question how many people actually don't show up for the race that register, you know. Well so, and yeah. actually this year um I did just look at some of those numbers and um you know and I'm not even I think this is higher than normal. We had 90% of the people that register skied, um, mm -hmm. you know, pretty consistently over all of the events. Uh, it was phenomenal. Some, you know, some things it was 93%, but it was, I don't think we were lower than 88% in anything. Um, you know, Berkey, Cordelopet, 
Prince Hulkin related. So uh, that's a pretty good um, rate of people showing up or, or coming that have registered. So I would hope that that would um, continue. The uh, Berkey Trail is used throughout the year, and I know um, uh, there's some trail events scheduled for Saturday, September 26th, this year in 2009. Uh, Could you tell us about what's going on? Um, We've been doing this for a few years. We have the Berkey Trail Run, and it's the Trail Run, Trek, and Relay now. We've added some events over the last few years. Um, On September 26th, we will hold that once again, and we have four different events that are a part of that. We have a marathon relay where teams of three or six um, person relay teams can sign up, and it's an open category, women's or mixed teams, Um, and that's been very, very popular to have the relay teams. And they actually go um, from the Cable Union Airport down to Hatchery Park, um, run different legs of the relay. Um, So that's one of the events. We have an individual half marathon, and that event starts at Double O, and then they run to Hatchery Park. Um, We have a Berkey Trek, which is a Nordic walking event, and that for the first time last year we started that event. Um, Hugely, very popular. Um, We had athletes of all different ages and abilities doing the trek. You know, people who had hardly ever been on the Berkey Trail before came out to give it a try, and that's one of the reasons we really like Nordic walking. We're introducing people to the Approximately how many people did that? Uh, You know, I don't, I should remember because I started the event. Yeah, Um, I was going to say. I was out there as the event starter, and I'm trying to remember how many, you know, I don't remember an exact number. For all of the events, we had about 475 Uh um, athletes, Um, but that trek was, you know, fairly popular. We anticipate that one um, being growing for us we think that's where we yeah as, as we were talking growth. as we were talking earlier it just seems like it's uh that's a real growing area people that knew nothing about even nordic skiing or anything are taking up walking exactly exactly and then we also do have a 5k fun run walk and um, they could also do that one with poles if they decided they weren't up for the 21k event mm-hmm. so four different events that people can come out and see the berkey trail give it a try it's a great event um People rave about how much fun it is, um, you know, that it's a little more relaxed atmosphere than the Berkey and Cordelopit. Um, we provide a, a great lunch afterwards. Everybody just kind of congregates at Hatchery Park and um, talks about the event and enjoys the, the day. And it's a great time to be on the Berkey Trail. Uh, the fall colors, um, they're just starting then typically, you know, at the end of September. And we've had really good weather um, for the past few years when we've held the event. I'm thinking to myself, someday I've got to get up there in the, you know, summer. The only time I've been up there is the winter, so I've never, oh, never ever seen the trail in the summer. It sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you had mentioned the Burt Scroll is being published on, it's going to be sent out on April 16th, is that uh, right? April 16th, yep. It's in the production process right now being printed, so we'll send it on April 16th to all of the skiers. Yeah, I know that's one of the favorite issues for everybody because you get all, I know the, it is. all the results. <laughs> so, all the results are in there, yeah. And some good pictures, too. Yeah. Um, the uh, Berkey Skiers for Cures fundraising program raised over 105000 for the National Multiple Sclerosis Society during this year's Berkey. Um, on March 31st, you put out a news release that had a quote from Ned Zielsdorf, who is you know, the executive director of the uh, 
American Burka Binder Ski Foundation, which said the response to the Berkey Skiers for Cures campaign was incredible. Additionally, additionally, Colleen Colt, president and CEO of the National MS Society, uh, Wisconsin chapter, said we were thrilled and humbled by the support we received from the board and staff of the American Burka Binder, as well as the response from the Berkey Skiers. Can you tell us more about the program, its genesis, and how much it has been estimated to raise, how much was estimated before you had the event um, in the planning? Well, um, the program started um, actually uh, with a Berkey skier. Berkey skiers for cures has been going on for about, I believe this was our fourth year. But this year's um, campaign, here by the name of um, Dr. Ian Duncan, who is a researcher, a neuroscientist, researcher for um, MS. That's what he does, um, works for the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And he approached Ned, had been trying um, to get this as our cause, and said, I think I can um, get Bjorn Dolly to come because he's a big supporter of MS. Bjorn's mother has MS. And he said, I think I can get Bjorn to come. I think if he comes, we can raise a phenomenal amount of money. Um, you know, we can go beyond our expectations. And um, he was able to succeed in all of that and uh, brought Bjorn over. And I think largely because of that, we raised more money than we've ever raised in the combined previous three years. Um, the program for the first three years raised $84,000 for different causes. And this year we are over $105,000. I believe we're um, I know of a donation that came in just last week of a thousand dollars. So, and that's that's not in that hundred and five. So we're we're hoping that it continues to go up, and we receive more. And that's based on um, 83 skiers, just 83 skiers collecting that much money. But it did help that we had um, the National IMS Society had such a huge presence at the event, um, on their own, and then with Bjorn. Uh, because they took in just a lot of money from skiers walking by and selling pins and all different things that they did. They, they did a great job of really getting out there and helping us raise money for their organization. Yeah, it was, um, it was wonderful, wonderful having Bjorn there, and uh, I had the fortunate experience of meeting him and hearing him speak at the Birch Leggers uh, oh, yes. Club Awards Breakfast uh, the, the Sunday morning after the race. and. Then, mm-hmm. I, I didn't participate, but I did uh, give money, you know, to it. I think it was one of those ones where you, you know, put in funds. Um, I actually saw him again later that day at uh, New Moon Ski Shop. He was there. Right. So. And I think his presence and, you know, the fact that he was so generous with his time and um, he spoke, you know, a few different times. I believe he attended the World Lopet Breakfast, Birch Leggings Breakfast, our VIP dinner, um, did autograph signings. Uh, you know, he was very um, out there for us, and that that really helped. I think people really felt, you know, compelled to give then, and was the success of our program this year. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, speaking about the uh, foundation, I think one of the questions I've asked and other people have asked me is, you know, what exactly are the projects that are funded um, when you make a donation to the American Birkebinder Ski Foundation? Um, you know, I know many of us donate every year, and is the money used for the general operation of the race? And if so, what would be the deficit if it, if it was not for these donations? Um, and do you know how much is raised each year, approximately? 
you know, unfortunately I don't, and I believe I just heard Ned speak about that last week, so I should remember. Uh, you know, I wish I did know exactly the amount that's coming in for fundraising. Um, I know since my time as director, um, the fundraising effort and the amount, the generosity of skiers has um, increased over the years, and part of that is the foundation has gotten it out there more, you know, that we're, we're seeking donations, that we are a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, um, a lot of the donations um, go directly to the trail fund. Um, most skiers designate that that's where they would like their donation to go. There's the checkoff box on your registration form, um, the membership form, because we're a 501c3, we are a membership-based organization, so people check it off there. People just send in general money to the trail fund. That's usually where the majority of the donations are going. And when that is done, that um, helps offset the trail budget. Our trail budget is over $100,000 a year just to maintain the trail. And mm-hmm. we are responsible for maintaining it year-round. Um, so it, it is grooming, it's trail maintenance, it's erosion control, it's brushing the trail every few years, things like that, mowing it. Um, but there also is just general donations that come in, and those would just go into the general fund um, to offset the general operating expenses for the organization and for the event. Um, Donations can also be made um, to youth skiing, and we do, as an organization, give grants um, to youth ski groups. There's an application process that happens in the fall where they can request money for their ski program or their organization, and then um, there's a committee within the board of directors that decides that. So some people do give directly to that fund, um, and the organization sets aside so much money every year when they determine their budget, how much they're going to contribute to youth because that's a big part of our mission is to continue the sport. Yeah, it's uh, important. I know I've been giving uh, for years, and I, you know, as I'm sure you would say, I mean, every little bit helps if people can just add a little bit to their registration fee or, you know, round it up instead of $80, $100 or whatever. Right, that and helps. it's amazing how much that money does, as you said, adds up and um, really conti- contributes to our budget. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, talk about spectators. Um, the um, h- how many spectators uh, were there estimated to be for the Berkey and Cordelope races this year? And I, and I I must say before you answer, you know how wonderful it is to have folks cheering for you at you know key locations during the course. I mean the only exception I say laughingly is the Suicide Hill with the snowmobilers judging and <laughs> cheering, uh, you know, falls. Right. Uh, the, the, fu- the funny hill. thing about the funny thing about that hill is that it's really not that hard because uh, you know we ski on the trail before the race and it, it's just a, a turn basically. The, the problem during the race is it gets so rutted out and then you have people watching you mm-hmm. uh, and it gets icy. So, uh, uh, but uh, I, I'm kidding, of course, because I, I think even this group uh, there's a lot of you know words of encouragement uh, to as as skiers go by. So. It, you know, approximately how many spectators are there out on the course? We estimate um, about 15,000 spectators, um, you know, and that's it's kind of a rough number for us because it's, it's pretty hard. We don't have any tickets or anything like that to monitor the spectators. So it's just, um, you know, a, a rough idea of how many um, we have, have in attendance. Um, and I think just from being um, at the finish line for the past, you know, 14 years, it seems like the last couple years there's even more people 
um, at the Berkey finish that, you know, more keep coming out to watch it. And we've had some pretty nice weather um, on race day for our spectators, so that certainly helps. But, mm. um, you know, I, I think it seems like there's there's more and more in those locations. Unfortunately, I haven't been on the, the trail very much in the past couple of years, so I'm not sure if those other locations, but I've seen footage of Double O, and that's a very popular location to continue to go to. And, um, you know, the spectators really are a huge part of the event. You know, there's the drummers on Powerline, which are great, and our, yes. our visitors on um, the hill, you know, close oh, to Hayward. We won't say the name. We don't have to name. I don't want my uh, podcast to get a uh, <laughs> R rating. Right. Um, I don't want to have a delay on <laughs> anything here. But, um, you know, all those people, and we do anything we can. You know, if we have different groups like that that contact us and say, you know, how can we get there? We try to try to help them out and get them into those locations to encourage you as you go down the race course. Well, it, it means a lot to uh, uh, the the racers. I know when, especially when you're tired and coming up the hill, it's it's great to have people there. And even that last hill, um, which actually is not the last hill, but no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> um, but the uh, it, it's just fun. You just get a big smile on your face watching them standing there. Uh, so it's it's um, a lot of fun to 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 have them there. I, I noticed too on the Berkey website, you actually have a very good spectator section, which is, you know, real helpful information. You can print it out, get uh, a card basically that shows, you know, what are the bib colors and, um, right. you know, what the waves are, et cetera. And we're trying to do more of that. Actually this year um, we had a spectator guide, the cable chamber of commerce approached us and um, said, you know, the twin cities marathon does this great guide for their spectators how can we make this happen here? And, you know, our budget was set. We, you know, we didn't have a lot of funds to contribute to something like that, unfortunately, at the time. And they said, what if we do it? You know, you guys help us get the information and we'll do it. And they did it. It came out a real nice pocket-sized guide. And the response to that was overwhelming. I mean, we had so many people say, this is great. Even our staff, um, our volunteers in our office said, this is wonderful. This is the best information we've ever had. Yes. So. And that I was in, that was in the packets too this year, wasn't it? it that, I don't know if we put it in every I, I packet. It, I think it, it, I'm it may quite sure been. I was, or maybe I picked it up at the. You might have picked it yeah. up. I know they had wanted to, but the timing we couldn't quite get all the information done in time for it to be in those race packets. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see that as something you know. Hopefully, we can find a group that can work with us to continue something like that, and um, we'd love to keep doing it. You know, trying. To give our, our seating process is fairly complicated, and getting people to understand which bib is which wave and y- yes. what all those numbers mean. You know, at times they'll ask us, and we even have to think about it. <laughs> you know, and we work with those numbers every day. So, um, you know, what does the big C on the bibs mean for the general public? So, getting information out there and um, helping people understand, you know, what a birch leggings bib is and what a founder's bib and when the waves are going to start and where to go to watch. You know, that's. That's great, and if we can keep getting more and more people out there, that's what we want to do so we can make you guys um, motivate you all the way along. And that's right. Of well, and it's uh, it's easy, too, with the web because a lot of people go there, you know, because that's do. where I noticed that you, you can actually just print it out there, too, so mm-hmm. you don't have to worry yeah, about once... printing and distribution when people can get it and print it themselves or even probably get it on their pocket-sized PDA. Um, right. Sherry, anything else that you wanted to... Talk about as you kind of wrap up uh, 2009 and plan for 2010. 
Um, not much that I can think of. We just want to thank everybody for, you know, attending 2009 and helping us make it the second largest ever, and we hope 2010 is the largest ever. So encourage everybody to register and come out. And, you know, as always, certainly contact us if you have ideas or feedback, um, you know, anything you want to tell us or a Berkey fever story, you know, that's really taken off for us. We love to hear the stories of how people got involved, how you stay in shape, um, all of those types of things. We, we love having contact with our skiers. So I just, yeah, those, those, love I, I love reading those stories and, and I uh, appreciate you, um, posting our story about, you know, the, what I call the Berkey buddies. So it, cause it is, it's a, it's a very meaningful thing for people. It, it, it is, you get this Berkey fever, you want to go back every year and for me it's a reconnection with with people too that i don't you know i might stay in touch with through email and stuff but we don't really see each other except once a year so right that's and the same is true you know for us you know obviously i live in an area where there's lots and lots of berkey skiers but there's so many of the skiers that you know i do see once a year that's the only time i see them but every time you see them it's it's like they were just there yesterday so it, there are there are great stories, um, very inspirational, very motivating. So I just encourage people to keep doing things like that, and it it helps make my job a little easier. Um, love to hear them. Yep. Well, thanks uh, again for joining us today, uh, Sherry, and the best of luck as you make preparations for the race on February twenty seventh, twenty ten. And I also want to say again a big. Big thanks to all the volunteers that donate their time and effort because I know uh, staff puts in a lot of time, but you you just couldn't do it without the volunteers, and uh, um, that really makes the the Berkey a big success. That's absolutely true. Thanks again, Sherry. Thank um, you. To our all our listeners, the Berkey Web Today podcast will be back again next ski season. Until then, keep up your training, whether that is bicycling, running, kayaking, swimming, roller skiing and Nordic walking uh, because as you know you have to be in good physical shape to ski the Berkey. I love the new Berka Binder tagline which reads 37 years of inspiring skiers to live fit healthy lives. We appreciate you downloading episode 6 of Berkey Web today and I do hope that you will subscribe to our podcast so that you will not miss future episodes. If this is the first episode you are listening to, our past episodes are available on the BerkeyWeb.com website. We have a lot of interesting news and interviews that we have planned before, during, and after the Berkey, so please come back. Also, please leave your feedback by writing to webmaster at BerkeyWeb.com. If you like bicycling, I'm doing a podcast with the webmaster for the KansasCyclist.com website called the Kansas Cyclist Podcast. For more information, please go to the Eero Podcast Network website at epn.ero.com. Take care and have a great summer.